0: This is ESPN Crick Info.
1: Bowl at Boyd's. We are in the middle of the Ashes series. Australia have fought back. The series score is one all. We'll discuss all that and take a few more questions with Jeffrey Boycott. Hello and welcome to Bowl at Boyd's on ESPN Crick Info. Jeffrey, 169 runs, 405 runs. What's going on?
0: (laughs) One side played very well and the other side played rubbish. (laughs) <laughs>
1: simple <laughs> yes indeed so let's start with a couple of questions about Ashes Gibran from Australia sent the first one since Adam Leith hasn't done so well in the Ashes and England got off to a strong start in the first test should they look for someone who is more reliable like Michael Carberry I liked Carberry during the 5 nil whitewash he batted well for someone against the likes of Johnson and Harris are you of the opinion that he would be a better option with Cook and if not then who is
0: well, I'm not sure the word reliable is appropriate. Michael Carberry had his chances in Australia against a difficult attack, Johnson and Harris, who are two quality bowlers, high-quality bowlers. And uh, all I would say is I liked Carberry in so much that he defended very well against Johnson and Harris. And that's the most important thing. You've got to show courage and you've got to stand up to them and be able to stay in but he seemed to get stuck um, that is he got stuck at one end and couldn't get away he couldn't rotate the strike he couldn't get singles I, I liked how he defended I thought there was something there to work with and if you could have just shown him how to manoeuvre an odd one or two because you're not going to get many four balls then I think yeah maybe they should have gone a bit longer with him I personally said so at the time But uh, they just moved on to somebody else, didn't they? What you have to remember, though, there is a dearth of quality batsmen in England. And on top of that, playing genuine fast bowling makes the job up front much harder. Very few batsmen are good at playing fast bowling. It takes a lot of courage, mental strength, and a very good defensive technique to stay in before you even start playing runs. You, you, it, it's so difficult. And so often now, for quite a, quite a number of years, there's been very few fast bowlers around. So a lot of batsmen with the better bats hitting it further, the flatter pitchers than ever, medium fast bowlers around, they've had a, a luxury time. They haven't had the great fast bowlers around, and when Johnson got them in Australia and Johnson start getting them here, they're finding it much more difficult. England have had a problem with the opening bat and number three position, and they still have a problem with one opening bat and the number three position. You need a good batsman can play against the new ball almost like an opening batsman at number three. And since Strauss has lost it, England have struggled to replace him. And since Strauss retired almost two years ago now, they've had a problem replacing him. And it's okay saying these guys don't do very well. We tried the guy from Middlesex. Uh, we trying live. I think it was a mistake to have played trot in the West Indies, and I said so at the time. I thought they should have got live in then and got used to Test cricket, be a little bit easier than facing Johnson and Stark out here in England. But no, Cook had his own ideas. They liked trot, they kept looking to go backwards and think he would get it again that that he once had, and he hasn't. He'd lost it. And it was a mistake. But a lot of mistakes were made in the West Indies. And I don't know where to go from here. You're asking me, is, is he a better choice than life? Carberry, I don't know about that. There is nobody, let me tell you, that stands out in English cricket and says, pick me, I'm that good, I should be playing. Yeah, I can make... And no case for so many people, the guy who plays well from Knots in the one day isn't making runs at the moment. Compton is. We left him out, moved on from there, hoping to get somebody better. It hasn't worked out. So whether you go back to the Carberries, the Comptons, but let me tell you this. When Compton played, he didn't face, he didn't have to face, wasn't his fault, somebody like Johnson and Stark and Haverwood. It was quite a bit easier. So whoever comes in at number two and number three has got a very, very tough task. And I couldn't even tell you who. I couldn't even begin to tell you. So I won't be putting my name in there for Chairman of Selectors.
1: Jeffrey. even after the test, Alistair Cook said that their top order is an area of concern. So how do you think they would solve it, even if they don't change the batsman?
0: It's not my problem. Simple. He's known there were a problem. If he didn't know there was a problem before the series, and he suddenly found that out, then he's not done his homework. For two years we've had problems at opening batsmen. We tried all sorts of people, and going back to Trot was ludicrous. He lost it in Australia. When you lose it like that and go home, you ain't going to find it again. Big mistakes were made. They're paying for it now because they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know where the hell they're going, and I certainly don't.
1: Alright, from batting, let's shift to bowling now. Mike Cameron sent this question from United Kingdom. He says, Jeffrey, batting concerns have been there in England for some time now, but bowling was always the strong point, which we saw in the first test too. What happened to the England bowlers in the second test? It surely can't be only about the pitch, because England took 10 wickets in the match, and Australia took all 20. What do you have to say to that?
0: Well, I think you're wrong, Mikey. Good question. It is about the pitch. Australia took 20 wickets because they have pace. Two genuine fast bowlers at 90 mile an hour. England have two superb fast medium bowlers in Anderson and Broad. Two of the best in the world. But they need seam movement and swing. And usually in England, we play with the duke ball, which is very different from the kookaburra. It is a much more race scene. It swings and seems a bit more in England, because our pitches are usually a little bit slower than Australia and South Africa. But the two pitches we've had were specifically there to take the sting out, the, out of the Australian fast bowlers, out of their pace. And it did, except for McGlamorgan. They made the biggest mistake of all, did Clark and his fast bowlers, in trying to bomb England. Bowl short, bowl short, test the nerve like they did in Australia. But the pitches in Australia went much faster and much bouncier. In Glamorgan, in Wales, the slow pitch. So when you bang it in, it loses a lot more pace. And bang it in, it comes off much slower. England were able to get out of jail easier. And also Clark set so many attacking fields. I mean, it's ridiculous. There was no protection for the fast bowlers. England could hit it anywhere and get lots of runs. They were scoring at five and six and over at one time. They got it right at Lord's. Much different. They pitched it up. So England tried to negate the Aussie fast bowlers with pace. It didn't work entirely because when England fast, medium bowlers came to bowl, the ball did a little bit. Although it was slow to negate the quick, it actually moved a bit. So England seamers came into it. And Australia, with Clark and the fast bowlers, got it all wrong. They didn't get it wrong at Lord's. They pitched it up. They were very fast. And what happened at Lord's, by making a slow, grassless pitch that didn't move, England negated their own team bowlers in Broad and Anderson. Because they were worried about the batting, Stark and um, Johnson getting at the England batting, then the, the England bowlers couldn't get at the Australian batting. Because if you're fast medium... And it doesn't move, you're straight up and down after the new ball, and that's what happened. Anderson bowled some Beauties for the first three or four overs didn't get a nick. Broad bowled well. Ah, they got a nick. And a couple of nicks they got didn't go to hand, or they were very difficult to catch. And then after that, it was straight up and down with fast and medium bowling. The difference with when you have fast bowlers who pitch it up and bowl a length, it's always going to be faster through the air. Ever since time immemorial, we know that whoever bowls, when a ball hits a pitch, it slows up. doesn't matter how fast you are, it slows up. But it doesn't stop the fact that a fast bowler is faster through the air than a fast medium bowler. And the problem with that is when you bowl fast through the air, and even if it loses a bit of pace off the deck, it's still quicker than the bowlers, there's still a little bit of a fear factor of getting hit or hurt and having to play because it's coming at you much quicker. So you've got to make decisions quicker. And that's the problem. England tried like hell to negate the quicks and copped up by negating their own bowlers. In history, tradition and history of cricket tells us fast bowlers win matches. Whenever they've had it, Lillian Thompson, Wall and Miller... You can go through history. When England have had Frank Tyson and Brian Staden, and when they've had Adil Harwood, John Snow, they win test matches. And so w- whatever pitches are made to nullify the Australian fast bowlers, just remember, they are fast through the air. And they're going to be more effective than Anderson and Broad, who are very, very fine bowlers. And that is the difference. You couldn't get them out. I know if, we make, if England makes seamboats pitches, do a bit, it might be that Johnson and Start will still bowl England out because they'll see it and they'll bowl it faster. But England have to win the Ashes, remember. They have to win the series to win the Ashes. They can't draw the series. They have to win. And to win a test match, you have to get 20 wickets. And like Cardiff for England, the ball has to move around for them to get 20 wickets. If it doesn't, they won't get 20 wickets, or if they do, it'll cost them a 1,000 runs. You can't win a test match if you're bowling sides out and they're getting 1,000 runs. It's not going to work. And if you're waiting for spinners, there's no swan. We don't have the great spinners of Johnny Wardle and Jim Laker and Bob Appleyard, etc. They're all gone years ago. And we're not going to win a test match. With the two spinners we have, that's Joe Root's occasional spin. He's a batsman who just turns his arm over, and alley ain't going to bowl anybody out. So it's only the seamers who are going to get you twenty wickets. We play on more slow surfaces because the wary of the Australian quicks. Then Anderson Broad are not going to get you twenty wickets. They're not going to bowl Australia out, and they're not going to win another match.
1: All right. So what do you expect from the pitch at Edgebaston? I don't expect anything, I'm not Mystic
0: Meg, I don't make the pitches. I haven't a clue what they're doing, I think they're meeting today, they're in a quandary, the selectors. I know they've been asking, uh, not the selectors, but somebody above us has been asking for slow surfaces. Now they've got a problem. They've got a problem. Not me to solve it, it's them.
1: Alright, let's shift our focus a little bit from pitches and surfaces to what makes a successful cricket team. The third question was sent by Michael Burke from United Kingdom. Dear Geoffrey, there's been a lot of talk of Australia being an aging team. As well as the ashes test, I was also watching 33-year-old Fiddle Edwards bowling well over 90 miles per hour in the CPL. Do you subscribe to the theory that if you are good enough, age does not matter? Or do you see the clamor for youth as a more important factor in the makeup of a successful cricket team?
0: Well, for my money, money, I've always believed that age is a number. I am, and I've always been, of the view that if you're good enough, it doesn't matter how old you are. I don't look at somebody at 19 and think, oh, he's a bit young. He is a bit young. But sometimes it's a mature 19, and it, it looks just right for him to play. Look at Tendulkar playing at 16. Okay, he was a rare, but there have been other instances throughout history. And same with older people, especially with the levels of fitness today and conditioning coaches around. People should be able to play longer. The only question that should be asked is, can he do the job? Simple. Whether it's a bowler or a batsman, can he do the job? Can he get me runs? Can you get me wickets? So That's the only thing I'd ever ask. And a good team, for my money, has a nice balance of, uh, of both youth, which brings energy, vigour, vitality, and usually youth has no fear because it has this positive energy all the time. He's looking forward to playing, to enjoying it. And age, which can bring you maturity, experience, and sometimes a bit of caution uh, from having been there before. So if you've got both, and every now and again, every year or two, you you have to infuse your team with a little bit of youth to get some vigour into it. And that's what Australia did at Lodge. eventually. I would have let Watson go. And had in year, year and a half ago at least.
1: Alright, that brings us to the last question of this episode. Nazmas Sakib sent it from Thailand. My question is about how to improve playing in foreign conditions. Even after so many years and so much advancement in technology, the subcontinent teams struggle to play, play well abroad. What is the best way for India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka and even Bangladesh to perform better in countries like Australia, South Africa, New Zealand and England?
0: Well, this is a sensible question, and I've said it before, and it applies to places like Bangladesh in particular. They've got wonderful cricketers, but they keep playing on these slow, low-turning pitches and do well at home. Suddenly they go abroad. They struggle. It's to redo the pitches in their home countries on some of the best test match grounds with soil from other countries. It's not that difficult to do in this uh, modern age. You get some soil from where you want a fast-bouncy pitch to get used to that? Make two or three and make some practice pitches. Get that bull-eye soil from Perth that bounces. It's very true and bounces. And you can get different soil from all over England, New Zealand, wherever you want. You could go to Johannesburg. They've got a pitch that's beautiful for batting. Look at some of the one-day scores, 400. But there is pace and bounce there for the the fast bowlers to get carried. All you have to do is decide where you want your soil from. If there's a will to do it, you can do it. Most of these countries have got the money, particularly India. I mean, they're awash with money, that much money, they don't know where to put it. There are not enough banks to put the money in for the BCCI. It's whether they really want to do it, and obviously they can't be bothered. See, many subcontinent teams feel that they are giving away home advantage by allowing visitors to play on surfaces which they are comfortable with. So if they make pitches which are like England or South Africa or Australia and these teams come and play, they think, oh, well, they'll be comfortable. What they forget is the home team will have learned how to play on them as well. They'll have played all their home matches. They'll have played their um, state matches, county matches, whatever they call it, um, and got used to it. They'll be able to practice in the nets hours and hours with it. And I've always believed this. Youngsters, when they're growing up, Round about nine when you start playing cricket, you adapt to the conditions. And I, I believe firmly that kids in India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, if they had different pitches they grew up on and learned to practice and play on, they'd adapt and become exceptionally talented at it. But if they don't play on these faster, bouncier surfaces for the quick bowlers, then when the subcontinent teams go abroad and play on faster, bouncy pitches against the seam balls, they're going to get out easy because there just isn't enough time to adjust. The adjustment has to come over a long period of years. And what they forget, the home players, if they got used to practising and playing on faster, bouncier pitches and were better adapt and technically correct at playing fast bowling, then they would be so much better individually and as teams when they go abroad to Australia, South Africa, England, New Zealand. Just look at golf. Golf relays the greens on golf courses all over the world. And some golf courses who have added type of grass which was indigenous to them bring in experts, and they change the type of grass to give them something different and better. So cricket can and should do the same as golf. You can't do it unless the people who run the game really believe it's necessary or a good thing. You can ask me the question and I can give you the idea. But it's the people who run the game and there doesn't seem to be any will.
1: And that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Bullet Boyx here on ESPN Crick Info. Send in your questions, your feedback, suggestions, because Jeffrey will join us again just before the fourth Ashes Test in about two weeks from now. Till then, goodbye and good luck. You
0: are listening to ESPN Crick Info.